Monday, March 16th, 2020, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. I hope everyone is staying safe outside of podcast land. Uh, my wife and I are gearing up for this nasty virus. Uh, we've taken the heed of all CDC measures. Uh, we're practicing social distancing, gotten all of our prescriptions, and have basically stocked and prepared the medicine cabinet in case we get sick within the next couple of weeks. Last week, I noticed that the VA came out with some new standard operating procedures, even if you already have a scheduled visit. For more information on where to find this information, I released a COVID-19 special update on Born the Battle, uh, I think on Thursday. Literally, it's the next episode after this one. Check it out. In addition, I'm going to work on getting us a subject matter expert from the VHA to talk to us, uh, maybe to answer some questions from VA social media channels. We do have a news release later on in this episode that I'll go over, but the bulk of the COVID-19 information from the VA is in the previous episode. Talking about last week, uh, I realized I knew that this would happen. Last week, I told you that I didn't have my member for DD-214. And I didn't realize that there was a difference between your member four and your member one DD-214s. But I knew as soon as I went and spent time doing the research, getting my password reset for my DS log on, that as soon as I ordered my DD-214, whether it be a year ago or a week ago, I would find the one I needed somewhere in the house shortly after. Sure enough, it happened. I ordered it last Friday and I found a copy in a box that I unpacked literally the very next day. No joke, true story. But if you go back to the last uh, scheduled programming episode, episode 185, I laid out how you can get your DD-214 ordered. Also, it's been a couple weeks now, but I don't remember if I've told you that I've appeared on a couple other veteran-centric podcasts lately. We talked about ways that the VA is reaching veterans through new media and why reaching veterans and these mediums are of uber importance. Basically, what's in it for you? I mean, you already know because you listen to Born the Battle, but still, if you want to listen to me run my suck on other veteran podcasts, check out recent episodes of Team RWB's Eagle Nation podcast, uh, Irreverent Warriors 21 Gun podcast, and the podcast Beyond the Uniform. Had a lot of fun speaking with the host of each. Speaking of last week, a lot of good came back after last week's episode. A lot of good feedback on our social media channels and on the blog. And I can tell you that the answers on those posts from the VA were responses from the subject matter experts over at the Burn Pit Registry. Uh, to their credit, they read every single comment and consumed all feedback, which was good to see. There were also three new reviews on iTunes last week. Uh, this one comes from FRG9, who has wrote in before. I remember your last entry. Thank you for writing in again. He says, long time listener. I have listened to all episodes of the podcast. Always imp- all episodes. Wow. Always impressed by the stories of veterans and VA staff. Benefits episodes are helpful. I especially enjoyed the recent episode about the 50th Vietnam War anniversary program, which unfortunately I think a lot of those events are going online. I received my pin at travel at a traveling wall exhibit in Kentucky a few years ago. Keep up the good work. FRG nine, um, frag nine. I, I, I for some reason when you wrote in the last time I mistook FRG for FNG, which if you got a Vietnam pin means in my mind you're definitely not an fng uh, thank you for writing it again thank you for your dedication to this podcast every episode wow and thank you for taking up the oath during that particular time in history i don't think you can be thanked enough for that 
Uh, we got another one from David 98 Love it. Awesome content. Keep it up. It's one of the few things I look forward to each week. David 98 thank you for writing in a review. It means a lot. It's nice to hear that this content is valuable to you, and thank you for allowing me to come into your earbuds at least uh, once a week. Seeing reviews like this lets me know that it's worth it and that I'm not just talking to myself once a week. And finally, thank you for subscribing to the podcast and reviewing it. Doing that helps us push higher into the algorithms, as you know, which in turn helps your brothers and sisters discover this podcast where they too can hear not only the interviews, but the benefits, breakdowns, and the news releases. And finally, this comes from Mean Taco Hulk. Man, I love that name, by the way. I clicked on the VA News email for a podcast of a personal interest, the Burn Pit Registry. Listen to the entire podcast. Your positive vibes, gifted voice, and pride in your new job is a blessing to listen to. In my opinion, the VA does a great job in educating on topics from coping with PTSD to physical limitations and ailments. As a retiree from the Army, I greatly appreciate all the VA staff, from healthcare staff to administration, that has done to better my life. Thank you for, thank you for your service. Rangers lead the way. First of all, mean taco hunk. The Marine Corps and their crayon-fed beasts will always lead the way. But, but seriously, uh, the VA News, uh, otherwise known as Vet Resources email list, is the most successful way for me to reach new listeners. So thank you for clicking on us from there. Uh, for anyone else, sign up for that Vet Resources newsletter. Uh, it's on the VA.gov. Just search Vet Resources. There's lots of good veteran-based intel on that weekly hit in your inbox. And also, uh, Hulk, thank you for thinking of those who have helped you. I think a lot of times the staff within VA, uh, many, many of whom are fellow veterans, only hear the negative feedback. And I can see where it can get disheartening to some of those employees. So thank you for recognizing those who have made a difference in your life. Sometimes that's all it takes for a difference to be made. Next up, news releases. We have four. Count them four to bring to you this week. First one is up. It says, for immediate release, the VA publishes proposed regulations to improve the program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs will publish a proposed rule in the Federal Register March 6, so it already has happened, that would improve and standardize VA's program of comprehensive assistance for family caregivers and ensure the program regulations reflect changes by the VA Mission Act of 2018. A component of the Caregiver Support Program, the PCAFC, which was an acronym for the Caregiver Program, was established in 2011 to provide additional benefits, including a monthly stipend for qualifying family caregivers of eligible veterans who were seriously injured in the line of duty on or after September 11, 2001. In the proposed rule, VA seeks to standardize eligibility by expanding the definition of serious injury to include any service-connected disability, regardless of whether it resulted from an injury illness, or disease, defining what it means to be in need of personal care services, and ensuring that the eligible criteria capture the, capture the personal care service needs of veterans and service members with cognitive or neurological impairment or mental health conditions, among other things. Additionally, the VA is proposing changes to the stipend payment metho methodology, definitions for financial planning and legal services, and procedures for revocation and discharge to include advanced notice requirements aimed at improving communication between VA and PFAFC participants. Uh, so it's out there in the Federal Register. You can make your own comments. It's open to the public. You can find it at federalregister.gov, federal register, all one word. And in the search, you can look for comprehensive assistance for family caregivers, improvements and amendments, or just type in Mission Act. You'll find it. It's uh, It's 
it'll say that it was submitted by the Department of Veterans Affairs. It was submitted on March 6th, and you could submit a formal comment, and this will be open until May 5th, 2020. So go ahead and go to the federalregister.gov and make your comment. Okay, up next, uh, something that I think you've probably seen in the news. Uh, obviously, a lot of other veteran podcasts are talking about it because it affects some students that are using the GI Bill. It says, for immediate release, VA intends to suspend enrollment of new GI Bill students at the University of Phoenix, Career Education Corporation, Bellevue University, and Temple University. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, acting within its required approval authority under the law, that limits certain advertising, sales, and enrollment practices, notified the University of Phoenix, Career Education Corporation, which is Colorado Technical University, and the American Intercontinental University, Bellevue University, and Temple University on March 9th of the agency's intent to disapprove the enrollment of new GI Bill students at these institutions. After careful review and consideration of findings provided by the Federal Trade Commission and state's attorney at general offices, VA has concluded that there is sufficient evidence to support a finding that these schools have utilized advertising, sales, or enrollment practices that are erroneous, deceptive, or misleading, either by actual statement, omission, or imitation against GI Bill beneficiaries in violation of the law. And the law that is cited is 38 U.S. Code 3696. This decision only applies to new GI Bill students, and to the extent allowable under the current law, the department will afford current students at these institutions the opportunity to continue their programs of study, provided they have maintained continuous enrollment. So you have you have to have been in school and still be in school. Schools may also be prohibited from submitting enrollment certifications for new students or students returning from a break in attendance during suspension. Additionally, while VA's action will not impact current students that maintain continuous enrollment, the state approving agencies responsible for approving courses at these schools may also take independent actions based on VA's decision. If such action occurs, a decision by the relevant state approving agency to withdraw program approval would remove, would remove VA's authority to issue benefit payments to currently enrolled students as well as new students. However, VA will take appropriate actions to keep beneficiaries informed of any developments that would impact them. Any GI Bill students impacted by these suspensions may contact VA's Education Call Center at 1-888-442-4551 between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Or you can go to gibill.custhelp.va.gov to submit any questions that you may have. Uh, I have heard in other podcasts and seen in other news outlets that... um, a lot of those schools that got hit are taking steps to are taking steps for corrective action almost immediately. So that's that's encouraging to see. Uh, and that call center again one eight 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 four four two four five five one. If you're going to one of those schools, it's a great resource to have. All right, number three. Uh, this will affect veterans in the following locations: Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. It says for immediate release, VA announces change to urgent care and community care network region one. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is transitioning from its urgent care network manager effective March 18th from TriWest Healthcare Alliance to Optimum Public Sector Solutions, which is part of United Health Group. Incorporated, the change will result in new urgent care providers being added to VA's contracted network, 
while others will be removed. So they're changing a, a full network for community care from TriWest to Optum Public Sector Solutions. These changes in veterans' urgent care are, are part of the VA's Maintaining Internal Systems and Strengthening Outside Networks Act of 2018, otherwise known as the Mission Act. Veterans have the option for urgent care treatment of minor injuries and illnesses such as colds, sore throats, minor skin infections at in-network non-VA urgent care providers. So some of those urgent care providers will be changing. Additionally, veterans can receive same-day urgent care treatment at VA medical centers. Not all urgent care, however, not all urgent care providers currently in the Region 1 network will be authorized to provide care. So what does that mean? It means that not all urgent care providers currently in the Region 1 network will be authorized to provide care after March 18th. Conversely, new providers who are not currently authorized through the TriWest network will be available through Optum's network beginning on March 18th. VA can only pay for urgent care if the provider is part of the VA's contracted network. If veterans go to an out-of-network urgent care provider, they will be required to pay the full cost of care. The change in network management will also affect pharmacies. Veterans who require urgent care prescriptions of 14 days or less can find an authorized in-network provider or contact their local VA medical facility to identify a VA network pharmacy to avoid paying out-of-pocket costs. Additionally, community providers within Region 1 who want to provide urgent care services to veterans after March 18th must establish a contract with Optum. For the Find VA locations near you, to help you with some of this, you can go to va.gov forward slash find hyphen locations to find uh, VA approved urgent care locations and pharmacies near you. Okay, and finally, this is the one that I, uh, that I mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, it says, for immediate release, VA announces safeguards to protect nursing home and spinal cord injury patients. While the Center for Disease Control still considers COVID-19 to be a low threat to the general American public, of course, this was written on March 10th, the Department of Veterans Affairs announced new safeguards aimed at limiting COVID-19 exposure risks for two of its most susceptible patient populations, nursing home residents and spinal cord injury patients. VA's 134 nursing homes are home to more than 41,000 veterans across the country annually. The residents are predominantly older and may have multiple complex health conditions, making them particularly vulnerable to infection. To minimize the risk of exposure, effective March 10th and until further notice, VA is taking the following actions. All VA nursing homes will adopt a no-visitor stance, meaning no outside visitors will be, will be permitted to see residents. The only exceptions will be in compassionate cases when veterans are in the last stages of life on hospice units. In those cases, visitors will be limited to specific veterans' rooms only. All VA nursing homes will suspend new admissions. VA nursing homes will continue to welcome resident transfers from VA facilities once medical personnel have determined patients are not at risk for infection from COVID-19 or transmitting COVID-19. Nursing home staff will be actively screened daily and dedicated to working at the community living centers. VA's 24 major spinal cord injury and disorder centers across the country serve the needs of unique patient population to more than 24,000 veterans who are also vulnerable to infection. To minimize the risk of exposure, effective March 10th and until further notice, VA is taking the following actions. All VA spinal cord injury centers will also adopt a no visitor stance, meaning no outside visitors will be permitted to see inpatients. 
The only exceptions will be in compassionate cases when veterans are in the last stages of life. In those cases, visitors will be limited to that specific veteran's room only. All VA spinal cord injury and disability centers will limit inpatient admissions to addressing acute clinical needs. This means that all spinal cord injury centers will avoid inpatient admissions for routine matters, including annual exams and respite, which will now be done at an outpatient basis. All staff will be actively screened daily and dedicated to working at the centers. For more information about coronavirus, you can visit cdc.gov forward slash coronavirus forward slash 2019 hyphen ncov forward slash index dot html. All right, that was a lot of stuff before this week's interview. So as you know, if you're an active listener to Born the Battle, in our archives, we have had Stephen Hawley, who is a former Navy SEAL, Naval Academy quarterback, and founder of the nonprofit Carry the Load on the show. The nonprofit's goal is to restore the meaning of Memorial Day. Like last year, Carry the Load was to partner with VA's National Cemetery Administration as it geared up for its national relay marches. However, due to uh, these unique times, they are now going, all those relays are going virtual and you can still join them. Just go to carrytheload.org for more information on that. But for today, we have one Carry the Load board member that has some Army representation here on Born the Battle. In addition to being a board member for Carry the Load, she was on West Point's track and field team with a school record to her name. She's a B2B relationship manager for J.P. Morgan Chase. And in the Army, just like her mom, she is one of the few badass females to ever pilot an Army helicopter. So, without further ado, here's Army veteran Hallie Johnston. Enjoy. You're from Alaska, right? I am. I'm from Wasilla, Alaska. Um, the greatest probably... state. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but it's the it's the great state of Alaska. Sure. Are you still there? Do you still live there? No, my uh, my parents are older, so they moved up there in the 90s. Uh, they retired, and I started kindergarten up there all the way through high school. But I left um, once I once I went off to college and. They're still up there, so I try to get back up there at least once or twice a year to see them and love it. I'm the exact same way. I uh, I I don't I, I don't you're you're there for you're the first person from Alaska on the show that I've interviewed, but I'm the, I'm from the Pacific Northwest myself. I'm about as close as you can get to Alaska. I, I came from the Olympic National Rainforest area on the peninsula of Washington. Oh wow! Yeah, you are really close, especially to our capital. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I'm like you, I try to get back there once a month or once, not once a month. I wish once a month, once a year. Um, my, uh, my, again, like, like you, my family's all up there. Yeah. I love it. So it, it works out cause I, I head over to Seattle quite a bit for work. And so I'll just pop up for that last leg. Mm-hmm. What do you miss most about the Northwest? The Northwest, uh, people always ask what, what are Alaskans like? And I'm like, I don't, they're their own being. I don't know. They're, they're weird. They're awesome. If you love the outdoors and and hunting and fishing, it's, it's a paradise. Mm-hmm. And that's what my family loves. Uh, we have a little bush play. And so we get out as much as possible, especially on the, the sunny days in the, in the summer. I mean, they're unbeatable. Absolutely. I miss the cuisine. I miss razor clams. I miss salmon. I miss I miss crab. Yeah, I'm a salmon and halibut snob. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to eat it outside of Alaska. <laughs> I understand. No, I'm, I, you know, even, I mean, I'm on the east coast. I'm like, is that Atlantic salmon? No, take that back. You know, I, 
Pacific salmon only, please. Thank you. Sockeye. <laughs> I'm exactly the same way. Like my parents will, when they come to visit, they'll, you know, bring all the frozen goodies like hidden in their suitcase. And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Where do you live now? Um, I now live in Long Island, New York, which if you ask anyone that knows me, that still shocks them. Um, But my husband uh, brought me up there. So that's where I currently am located up in Huntington. Yeah. Got you. Definitely not the same. Not the same. Um, Hallie, when did you decide to join the service and leave Alaska? That wonderful, wonderful state. The wonderful, wonderful state. So um, both my parents were in the Army. My mom was also a helicopter pilot. My dad was in the Special Forces. So, I mean, I lived and breathed the military. Um, ever since I was a little girl, my brothers and I would go and play G.I. Joe and G.I. Jane out in the woods. Um, but to be honest, like I never – I thought I was going to be rebellious and – not do the typical army path because both my brothers also went into the service, but it was the middle of my junior year in high school and the track coach from West Point called. And at the time I was very, very naive and I didn't even know where West Point was located. And so my parents were just like, have an open mind. If this wasn't a phenomenal opportunity, we wouldn't be pressing you so hard to just go check it out. And they're, they're silently cheering you on like, what? Like, cause they know what West Point, they know what it means. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> I went and it was just, it was amazing and beautiful. And they sold me on the, the camaraderie that, that you have there. And I'll tell you what, after the first summer training, um, at West Point, there was no turning back. It was you, the, the bonds that you build and the, the things that you go through, it's just, it, it builds this uh, camaraderie amongst all your friends, your classmates. And I just knew that, you know, it, it elevated my typical everyday life into transforming it to doing something for more than myself. And it was just a, it was a huge life-changing experience for me. And it was, I was on, I was on the path that I was supposed to be on. Absolutely. So you're a recruiter for track and field. Um, I said in your bio that you broke the school's pole vault record. What was the height? I did. It was 12 and a half. So funny story about this. I was a, I was a gymnast for about 10 years growing up and in Alaska and, oh, wow. and pole vault because the season is so short, the track season because of the weather pole vault's yeah. not even a, it's not even a sport in Alaska. It's, you just can't do it. It's too dangerous. So <laughs> the head track coach at West Point was like, we don't have any pole vaulters. Can you give it, can you just give it a try? And, and there, I have another classmate, uh, Cassandra Clark. She was also a gymnast. We both started pole vault our freshman year at West Point. And um, both, you know, while we were at the, we would just go back and forth and breaking the school record between the two of us. And we're best friends and we joke about it all the time. But it's just funny. Like we just wanted to try it out. And we had such great coaches, such great teammates that cheered us on. And yeah, we ended up, we ended up breaking the school record while we were there. So it was fun. It was, wow. It multiple fun. times, huh? Yeah. We, we would go back and forth. Like we both, um, I guess we both just succeeded together. It was, it was good. Pushing each other. That's awesome. Um, where was the final pole vault at? Was it at West Point or was it like, where, where did you break the record at? Um, I actually broke the record my junior year and I got mm. injured and where was I at? I think I was at West Point when I broke it. I was yeah, outdoors. 
And right before my senior year, I injured my hamstring, which was a huge bummer. Um, sure. So my junior year was my best year, but it, yeah, it was fun. I wish, I wish I didn't get injured because then, you know, you could just get even better, but it set me back quite a bit. It, it, I mean, it happens. It happens. Uh, how long were you out for? I was out for a few weeks, but by then, it, it, you know, it takes quite a while to get back to into get back shape, into back into yeah. that, like the, the competition, uh, competition, I guess. Not easy. Not easy. Um, but so you graduated West Point, you went and you, you went active, right? And you became a, a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. I did. So I went to Army Flight School, which is down in uh, Enterprise, Alabama. And it's probably mm-hmm. one of the best, you know, some of the best years of my life. Uh, and part of the reason I went aviation is I've always been a very type A outgoing, wanting to be outside constantly. And my mom yeah. was a helicopter pilot. She was one of the first, she was a Huey pilot. She was one of the first 300 women when they opened that branch up to females to actually wow. go and become a helicopter pilot. So she inspired me. A lot of her best friends, which are kind of like, kind of like aunts to me, they were also female helicopter, female helicopter pilots. So they were all down there and they pinned my wings on. And um, from there I went to Savannah, Georgia to third ID and served with that unit for a while and had the air assault mission set. Got you. So they're pretty much like, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yes. (laughs) Bunch of badass females. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, What years did you serve? I served from 2011 to 2016. Okay. While you were in, give me either a best friend or a, a greatest mentor that you had while you're in. So I had a lot of great friends. I like to say that the army is your family because it, it really truly is like you have a special bond with everyone. Um, yeah. But while I served uh, and still today, my best friend is Casey Clark. She's that other, that other pole vaulter who with, has been with me, you know, at West Point at army flight school. And she's also, you know, just another badass female out there flying. She's still in. Um, I would go to her for a bunch of questions to be answered, but there's also somebody else who I went to flight school with. And he's also an individual that I still honor because he was my stick buddy. And what a stick buddy is in flight school is they're your right hand man and everything you do, any knowledge test you need to do, getting the helicopter ready to go fly. Um, basically you guys succeed or, or fail together. So once we left flight school, his name is RJ Hess, first Lieutenant RJ Hess. Um, I went to third AD and he went up to the 10th mountain division and we just stayed in contact. And part of, part of the reason that we chose the units that we ended up in is they were going to deploy the quickest. So I ended up deploying before he did. Um, and then I remember him emailing me the moment that he was notified that he was going to be deploying. Um, he, we, we Skyped the first day that he was in country and two days later he was hit by a mortar. So he died. He volunteered for the advanced party into country and died before his unit ever even got there. Um, so I, I like to honor him every single year, but he is a, he's a peer, but he's also a mentor because he's one of those individuals that just lit up the room and always made everyone's day better. He made you better at anything that you were doing and always put a, maybe a bad situation in a better light. So, um, he's definitely a mentor 
And anytime that I think I'm having a bad day, I just think about RJ Hess and all that he did and sacrificed for, for this country. Absolutely. If you want to give me his bio, uh, we can make him like, I don't know if he's been the veteran of the day yet for on all of our social media channels. And I'll definitely make him the, uh, like the born the battle veteran of the week. Every, every episode I, I, I kind of, I, I honor someone, you know, that, and that could be for your episode. I'd like to, I'd like to put Hess on there. Oh, great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. His, um, yeah. his dad was also a colonel in the army. So he was a proud son You're following in his yeah. dad's footsteps. So that'd be great. I would I, absolutely send you his bio. Yes. I mean the bio, I'll put it on. So when you were deployed, when you, when you deployed, um, you were involved in like a, not, not inner service, but cross country support in Afghanistan, supporting Aussies. What, yes. uh, what was that like? That was awesome. The Aussies are, I mean, I just always think it's an amazing experience to be involved in a multinational, um, mission set Yeah, and they, they're great to work with. And, um, in some areas they have more leeway than the Americans do. So it's always fun to set those missions up just so we can accomplish whatever we're trying to accomplish. But, uh, they were a blast. I mean, if I had to pick anyone to go deploy again with, it was then like, you never had a dull moment. <laughs> I understand. No, the only time I ever got to work with Aussies was at a, they came here for a war game and the, the interaction I had, uh, was after the war game at a bar and they can drink, they can drink. <laughs> they can. <laughs> um, so it sounds like you did one five year tour. Um, for you, when did you know it was time to leave the service? So I think anyone, when they leave the service, it, they know, they know it's time, you know, they have a, basically a decision tree and they go through and if you end up on the left side, you're getting out, if you end up on the right side, you're staying in. Um, yeah. for me, there's a lot of different reasons that I chose to get out. Um, and so it, it worked out. And I think, you know, you hear everyone ask like, you know, why did you end up going to JP Morgan, which is the company that I ended up going with afterwards. And it ended up being a blessing. They welcomed me with open arms and just wanted to teach me as much as they possibly could. And I wanted to learn from them. Um, people always ask also, what do you miss about the military? And it's that family aspect. It's, it's a, you don't get, or I haven't seen yet the one team, one fight mentality where it's, we all accomplish everything or we all fail. Um, I have, I haven't yet to see that. I mean, I, I have a few colleagues that you have that relationship with, but it's not the, uh, esprit de corps. A team wide thing. Yes. And that's what, if you, honestly, I think if you ask anyone that left the military, that's the aspect that they miss the most. Cause it's, you can't, you can't replicate it. It's just, and I think that's why our military, the United States military is just so powerful and accomplishes everything to the highest tier. Absolutely. Um, would, you, would it be fair to say that's the hardest part of your transition is getting used to something that's, that's like that in a, in a professional sense? I think so. I have a lot of friends that um, are still trying to fill that gap. For me, it worked out that the same year that I transitioned is the same year that I was introduced to Carry the Load mm-hmm. and became really involved. And so, you know, at the beginning of this uh, podcast, you asked, uh, or I think I brought up, um, wanting to 
be or do something more than for yourself. And so that's exactly what carry the load is for me. If I didn't have carry the load as a um, method to go and volunteer and be still involved with veterans, then I feel I personally would have, I would have a gap. There's, there's a, I would have that purpose gap in my life, not fulfilled. Um, but I do have it. So, and I had that gap filled quickly from when I transitioned from the military. So, but the little in between, there was a, definitely a time in there where I just thought I was on an extended, uh, leave (laughs) that I wasn't really out of the military. Like I was going to go back to the military. Um, but I, I still feel very close to it. One, because I still have family members that are still serving and, and being involved with carry the load, you get, you get to meet and hear the stories of, um, the greatest out there. Absolutely. You're a board member for carry the load, correct? I am. Yes. Yeah. And in our archives, we've had, uh, your, your, the founder of carry the load, Navy SEAL veteran, uh, Stephen Hawley, who I'm sure you've probably had a, a, a pretty good rivalry with being from West Point and, uh, and board member, <laughs> uh, Marine veteran Todd Boating. Uh, for those that haven't heard those episodes, can you give me a quick overview of carry the load, uh, and your, and the partnership with the national cemetery administration for the VA? Yes. So carry the load was founded, um, just like you said, via two former Navy SEALs, Stephen Hawley and Clint Bruce. And it was really to restore the true meaning of Memorial day. Because, uh-huh. you know, people were forgetting the, the purpose and why it was there. And it was making a lot of people angry. It's transformed a little bit since then, back in 2011. And it's we've expanded it from military to include um, firefighters, policemen, first responders, and their families. And it's really a platform that allows all Americans to realize the sacrifices that, that these heroes do on a daily basis. And really honor those that you know that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And for the um, the NCA partnership, it just seemed fitting and meaningful that our relay, our national relay, that we have the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, and now we're adding the Mountain States this coming year. And that opportunity to be a part of the national relay is really life changing. You're out there walking alongside many different families a lot of gold star families, but alongside other veterans, the police force, and they just, they just have this willingness to share their story and what they've done and how the military's impacted them. And, um, and it's also amazing to see Americans out there that just want to learn more and want to learn of the sacrifices that all of our, um, first responders and militaries have done. So it's just a, it's a life-changing event for anyone that's been involved and it, they travel in five, five mile seg- segments all month long. And they wrap up in Dallas during Memorial day weekend on May 24th through the 25th for a 20 hour March. And that, that event itself is very moving. I, I got to, I got to do the uh, Eastern leg last time uh, when you, you know, last year after I interviewed Steven and, and they were like, come on out. So I did it for, I got to do the, the Arlington national cemetery leg that five miles in the middle of a rainstorm. It was pouring rain. And, uh, but you know, you, you talk about when you're a civilian and that lack of uh, camaraderie, there was definitely camaraderie uh, out there on that leg. Yes. It's beautiful. And so the, to your point, the East coast leg, it's kicks off at the West point cemetery. So there's a group of us that walks 
from the West Point Cemetery, which if you've never been there, I encourage everyone to go check out all the amazing heroes that are buried there. And they we walk for 24 hours down to through Manhattan and end up at the um, down at the 9-11 Memorial. And that is unbelievably life changing to see all these New Yorkers walking with you alongside to really um, remember those that we lost at, at, you know, on 9-11. But we're going through 42 national cemeteries, and just like the NCA, we want to honor those that that have sacrificed for this country. Absolutely. Um, if you're a listener looking for more information on how you can take part, I implore you to go to uh, Stephen and Todd's episodes, uh, especially Stephen. Uh, he there was a lot of information in, in his episode, especially how you, as as Carrie Lode, get involved in schools and and the Continuum of Care program is really interesting how you as a nonprofit, how you support other nonprofits. Yes, we have um, the three pillars. So the awareness, which is really our Memorial May campaign. It's those relay routes that travel throughout the U.S. for the month of May. And then mm-hmm. we have our Continuum of Care, which is our nonprofit partners that really provide that direct care for those veterans. So the the dollars that we, that we raise and since 2011, we've raised over $25 million, And that, that really goes to directly care for our veterans and first responders and their families and anything that they need. And then just, as you said, they carry the flag, which is relatively new, but it's, it's setting up a platform for our younger generation to really understand that the sacrifice is behind the American flag and what all goes into that. It's a great really? program and it's kicked off. It's kicked off nicely. Very cool. When are you guys kicking off this year's marches? So the four relays, um, the West Coast, which kicks off in Seattle, that's on April 23rd. So it'll travel down throughout the month of May and wrap up in Dallas. The East Coast kicks off at the West Point Cemetery on April 27th. Mm-hmm. Midwest is in Minneapolis on May 1st. And our new relay leg is the Mountain State. It's, kick, it's kicking off in Minoy, North Dakota on May 12th. And all the, all the sequential legs occurring after there and all the different rally cities that we go through, you can find all the details on carrytheload.org. Yeah. And we'll put the, uh, we'll put the link in the, in the blog on blogs.va.gov. So if, if, if you're listening to this, if you got this episode from the blog, you can just look at the blog and it'll all be right there. Hallie, you mentioned that uh, you, you were for JP Morgan Chase and in your bio you said you were selected for a program that was designed to recruit and develop top tier military officers into executive private sector leadership positions. One, how did you get in the program and was it while you were active? And two, what was the hardest thing for you that to learn in that program? So JP Morgan modeled, um, I actually joined the program before it became an official program. I was like a test case. Oh, wow. A little guinea pig. <laughs> a little guinea pig. <laughs> it, uh, it's modeled after the GE rotational program, which a lot of companies are beginning to model um, their rotational programs af- after that. But I learned about it at the Service Academy Career Conferences, and that's a career conference for any academy graduate exclusively held to go figure out what's out there and ask any question you want. It's very informal, um, but I was introduced to a J.P. Morgan executive there who offered the opportunity to have the chance to go explore different areas of the bank that I thought I would be interested in and where I thought I could add value. And the beautiful thing about a rotational program is... You don't know what you don't know. So myself being a helicopter pilot going into corporate America, I might think that I really want to do marketing. But once I get there, is it really what I imagined? Um, yeah. And 
again, back to the rotational piece, if I don't like it, I can absorb as much as I possibly can, learn as much as I possibly can to um, apply in, in different aspects, but I can easily move on to a different part of the bank and go experience that. Gotcha. How long is the program? It used to be three years. Now it's two years, uh, but it's a great program. It has one of the lowest uh, or the highest, it's the highest, lowest turnover, highest retention rates throughout the firm. They do really, and a big aspect of that is that you're giving that veteran the chance to go figure out where their niche is versus just selling them on a, on a job description and them realizing that the grass is not really green on the other side. It's not really what they, what they wanted to do. Really cool concept. Um, Hallie, this is only open for service academies, right? As of right now? So, no, how I learned about it was the Service Academy oh, Career okay. Conference. The program is actually has expanded to, it used to be just officers. It's, now it's expanded to uh, enlisted NCOs. They've actually opened a, a ton of different pathways to getting into the firm specific for veterans. So, it's, I mean, they spearheaded, JP Morgan Chase has uh, spearheaded the veterans jobs mission. Got you. Very cool. Hallie, what is, I, I guess, one life hack or, or I call them vet hacks that you, that maybe you've learned since you've, you've been a civilian that can maybe pass on to someone that's tra- currently transitioning? Life hack. I think a common misconception when you're in the military is you need to act like you already know everything <laughs> and yeah. people are, people are afraid to ask questions. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Where I think that if you want to succeed and you want to succeed fast in corporate America, don't be afraid to ask questions because believe it or not, there's a ton of people that have either already done what you're trying to figure out and will help you not reinvent the wheel. And two, a lot of people really do want to see, see you succeed. And if you ask the question, they're there to help. Absolutely. I feel like... Um, there's a lot of people and, and, you know, we, we talk about the lack of camaraderie, but I do feel like there's a lot of people in corporate America that as a veteran, they want to take part in your success. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, that is. And going back to, you know, carry the loads mission of a lot of Americans not knowing how to give back and honor veterans. This, this honestly is one of those ways. Like they just want to help and see you succeed. They know you didn't come in the traditional way that 90% of corporate, um, employees do out there. And so they want to, they want to help you and see you succeed as much as you want to succeed. So there definitely is hard work that goes into it. Um, but it's been a, a JP Morgan specifically, it's a great group of um, people that I have had the experience of working alongside with. Gotcha. Um, Hallie, what is, what is one thing that you learned in the army that you apply to what you do today? And what do you do for JP Morgan? So you're not marketing. It sounds like you, 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 you did, you, you decided to do something else. I love marketing. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I, I wanted to go in my rotation. I wanted to go see, I want to maximize my time in the rotational program and see as much sure. as I possibly could. Gotcha. Um, but today I am a, uh, I'm a relationship manager. So I go out and business develop with organizations where we see a strategic partnership viable um, to, to benefit both organizations. Okay. So almost like a corporate outreach B2B type stuff. Yep. Exactly. That's awesome. Hallie, other than, uh, other than carry the load, which you're a part of, is there a veteran or nonprofit or even an individual who you've worked with or had an experience with who you think, who you like to mention within the, within the military veteran community? 
I have a lot, I mean, I've had a lot of veterans that have shaped me to be the person that I am today. One person specifically, Colonel Herter. He was my second reg commander when I was a West Point cadet as well as when I first met him. And he was one of those officers that everybody feared, but in a good way because they respected mm. him. Yeah. And um, he was also, because of that fear, made you be the best person and version of yourself. And so even though I met him when I was at West Point, he has always, he's been a mentor since I was in the army. And even since then, he's just a great person, a great father, a great husband. Um, and he has positively impacted everyone that, that he's encountered. What's one thing you've taken away from him from, from some of his mentorship? I think that failures aren't a bad thing. Hmm. Everyone's going to fail. And if you learn from it and figure out how to adapt and change or just how you're going to make yourself better, then you just become a more holistic, better version of yourself to move forward. Um, he, again, he was my second wrench commander. So one of his jobs was discipline. And of course, yeah. any college student likes to push the limits. So <laughs> I definitely went <laughs> in front of him one or two times and mm. it, it was very, it was, it was, I mean, it just made me a better person. Very good. Very good. I know it's, uh, you can't be afraid to fail. You can't, you, you know, it's the zero defect mentality is a good pathway to failure in a sense. Oh, exactly. You need to push the limits to, because, um, if you don't, I, I feel like you're always in a status quo. Absolutely. Hallie, I've had a, a really good time discussing a, a myriad of other things, a myriad of things here, especially Northwest cuisine. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that, um, you'd like to share or, or give a parting shot to the audience that, that I haven't asked? I would say when I want to say thank you to everyone that has served listening, supporting the veteran community. Um, I think that we should continue to make that aware that, you know, again, these veterans are, this is a voluntary service and they're volunteering. And some of those, they don't, they don't make it home. And those that do, um, I think that America should be ready to support them in any way that they need to. And I think that Carrie Load does that. The firm that I'm with, JP Morgan, does that. And there's hundreds of other organizations. So there's organizations out there willing and able and ready to help those that are transitioning or even those that are still in the military and are seeking um, any information on any, really anything that they would they need privy to. So um, I just want to say, don't be afraid to ask for help if you need it or any information or any, any guidance. Um, I would be happy to have a conversation, sit down with anyone that has any, would like any more any information of the stuff that I've been involved with. I want to thank Hallie for coming on the show this week. For more information on Carry the Load and how you can join the now virtual relays, go to carrytheload.org. Now, if you heard Hallie's interview, you know this week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. It is her stickmate. Army First Lieutenant R.J. Hess. And the following is from Old Dominion News at ODU. Son of Army Colonel Robert Hess Sr., R.J. was born on March 25, 1987 at Fort Rucker, Alabama. Hess attended Robinson High School in Fairfax, in Fairfax, Virginia, where he played football, lacrosse, and was the captain of the swim team. 
He graduated in 2005. Side note, did not know this fact at the time of Hallie's interview, but my wife attended Robinson and was the class of 05 as well. Not in the same circles, but knew Hess as well. Just small world. A 2010 graduate of Old Dominion, Hess received a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and was a member of the swimming and diving team there as well. He joined ROTC in his junior year in college and was commissioned a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army in 2010. He was selected to be an Army aviator and attended basic officer leaders course and flight school in 2011. After completing pilot training at Fort Rucker, Hess was assigned to the 10th Mount at Fort Drum in November of 2012, where he was a Black Hawk pilot and mission planner. He was selected to be a part of the unit's advance party and had just recently deployed to Afghanistan on April 11th. 2013. Sadly, First Lieutenant R.J. Hess died just 12 days later from wounds suffered from enemy fire. Hess's personal decorations include the Purple Heart, the Bronze Star, the Army Achievement Medal, the Combat Action Badge, and the Army Aviator Badge. We honor service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov. Include a short write-up and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because if you're a veteran artist or if you create poetry or music, we will feature your auditory art as our outro. Again, if you email us at podcast at va.gov with all the pertinent details for more stories on veterans and veteran benefits check out our website blogs.va.gov and follow the va on social media twitter instagram facebook youtube rally point dept vet affairs u.s department of veterans affairs no matter the social media you can always find us with that blue check mark thank you again for listening have a great week take care